Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I'm married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and and I'm in a different part of the country. I I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then. And you're really reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email from a listener who said, my husband is refusing to go to 12-step meetings, and I want him to do what it takes to get into good recovery. Carol, you really advise 12-step recovery meetings what do you think? Is this something that I should enforce or not? Well, you know, here's what I believe. The majority of therapists don't think 12-step meetings are absolutely essential to recovery. I happen to disagree with them. I truly believe fellowship, creating a committee, having a sponsor, having a guide, Reading a book that helps you work through the 12 steps so that you transform your life. Um, I just feel that that is really important. And I know that as a counselor, I can work with somebody who doesn't ascribe to a 12-step group. But I really want somebody to use all the tools they can. And you've heard me say I want them to at least do 8 out of 10, and and 5 of those are 12-step meeting related. So I'm going to say, no, it is not imperative. It's not essential. It's not a demand. But, boy, I really believe that it's the way to go for good, solid, quicker recovery. And so is Patrick Carnes. Um, and so that is my answer. Now, if you're a partner, there is some um, controversy, if you will, about whether Essanon or COSA can help a partner get healthy. 
And here's why. People that, that attend those groups, mostly women, are in so much trauma and so much drama that they may just use it as a sounding board and they don't necessarily focus on the 12 steps. You know, they're using it to vent, and although I think that's an excellent tool, it's not going to create transformational change. So I'm always talking to both my sex addicts and the partners of sex addicts, and I'm saying, what step are you on? And they go, oh, I haven't even completed one yet. And I'll say, how long have you been in, in this program? Sometimes it's a week, sometimes it's a month, sometimes it's a year, sometimes it's six years. And that's when I say, oh, my gosh, you know, you're not doing the meetings if you're not working the 12 steps. That is the basis and the foundation for the work you need to do. So that's what I would say is equally important. You have to be able to work the 12 steps. And, you know, you might just look them up, Google them right now, because they really do help you to know that your life is powerless, that you need something greater than yourself to get through it. You have to be able to surrender to that. You have to work on all your fears, your anger, your resentments. You have to know what your character flaws are. You have to want to have them removed You know, you have to be willing to do the hard work and make the amends that's so badly needed and then continue to work on the program diligently and, of course, give back. That's the 12th step. You have to be able to give back. So you've got to be in a healthy program so you get healthy so you can give back. And that is, unfortunately, a lot of work. But fortunately, so I said unfortunately, because it is a lot of work, but fortunately, it transforms you and makes you a better person. Okay, so that's what's shaken here. And truly, I don't want you to be scared of 12-step meetings. You know, one of the things that I have done is that I have all introduced people that are willing to be called and contacted and say, hey, would you meet Jenny at a meeting? She's really nervous. She's got red hair. Uh, She's going to be wearing a green shirt, and she'll look for you. Or I will say, you know, Dan has been in this meeting for over five years, and he's a tall guy, bald, and he will meet you at the door and walk in. He's already saved your seat. You know, sometimes that makes a difference in how you feel. And that, you know, that comfort level. So I appreciate that email. You know, I get emails every single week. And um, what I know to be true is that when you work a program, it certainly works for you. Now, tonight, we're going to be talking about children and how to get children involved in this process. You know, I just was working with a woman with a daughter and a son, 
and she was sharing all her venom about everything their father had done to them, leaving them penniless, uh, losing his job, sleeping around with probably over 50 people, bringing his girlfriends into the home. And I, of course, said, oh, my gosh, you got to stop that. you got to find safe people to talk to about it. Yes, you got to emote, but you can't use your kids because your kids need to be able to love both parents. Now, I know as a parent you want to make sure they're safe, and I'm not opposed to that at all. But they cannot be triangulated. And working with kids can be really tough. I think I'm going to make it um, a specialized niche probably here in the next couple of years because they're underserved. And I interviewed probably two years ago Kristen Jensen, who had written a book called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And it was for, you know, late school age, early tweens uh, and adolescents about what do you do when you find porn on uh, your computer or your tablet or your phone. And to make uh, things more complicated, what do you do if somebody has left a screen open and so you know mom or dad is looking at porn? And how, how do you help them to process this, to talk about it, and to set boundaries around this kind of behavior? And so Kristen contacted me. She started a, um organization called ProtectYoungMinds.org, and she realized that there was a real need for younger children to have information. And this is really hard for parents to know what to talk about, what to say, how much is, is good, how much is bad, And really the basic question of how do you empower a young child to embrace the good and reject the bad they see in their digital world? Because, again, that could be from a parent. That could be sent to them from a friend. That could pop up as a cookie. Um, And so she wrote this book that's a comfortable, effective way to begin this sensitive but essential conversation and you know if there's addicts listening right now to the show I guarantee you if you've been looking at pornography your kids have seen some of those images I don't believe that you got through this without them seeing images they may not have known where they came from and whose they were but they've seen images if you are a parent who has divorced or separated from somebody with a sexual addiction. You may also really want to educate your child. And so this book, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, is a simple plan to protect young minds, and it basically uses gentle, age-appropriate messages and lots of pictures that empower children with the turn, run, and tell plan and the five important safety rules that every kid growing up in the digital age needs to know. Now, I know as you're listening to this show, you're thinking, oh, dear gosh, I really don't want to hear about this subject. I don't even want to believe that my kids are exposed to this. When I was training to become a certified sexual addictions therapist, 
we learned that by the time a child was 11, he had seen 20, he or she had seen 20 hours of porn. 20 hours. And what I know to be true is that when, when a child has seen inconceivable pictures of things that they don't even understand, it leaves an impression in their brain. And it can easily become compulsive, and they can go back and back and back to try to figure out what is this all about. Now, clearly, we are living in a digital world, and there are lots of dangers of pornography that children need to know about, and they need to know how to handle it. And so I'm asking you to think about what your child may have been exposed to from their best friend, from their um, babysitter who's at the house, from their older brother or sister, from their own parent, and get yourself prepared for your child's sake. That is ever so important. Many of you know that I got into the field of sexual addiction because I was contacted by lots and lots and lots of administrators. I work for a big health corporation, and I feel fielded all these calls from administrators, superintendents, teachers, principals, who were experiencing more and more sexualized behavior from their students, and they didn't know what to do, and they didn't know how to act. And, you know, I was dealing with superintendents that said, oh, my gosh, we had two 11-year-olds having oral sex on the bus. And... Part of the bus was taking pictures and sending it to other people in school, and it went viral, and we don't know what to do about this. And that's what I knew. When things go viral, they're an epidemic. And I said, I did the best I could. I think I did a really good job because I'd call the families in, and we'd talk about it, and we'd talk about uh, sex in general, and I'd have the parents kind of explain what sex was and the boundaries and how you needed to save that for somebody special and that, you know, it might be kind of fun to send these messages around. It was really um, it was really making boys and girls uh, the object of gossip and joking, and, and it wasn't a way to be kind to other people. I talked about kindness. And then I said, okay, I need more. I definitely need more information. I need more training. I want to do the best job possible. And to do that, I decided I would join ITAP, the International Institute of uh, Trauma and Addiction Professionals, and I would learn about sexual addiction, and I would learn how to talk to kids, and I'd find out how I could make a dent in this epidemic. And it really, really, really has helped. But of all the populations in the world, kids are still underserved. So I am so glad to be talking to Kristen, um, who has made it her mission to educate kids and to educate parents. Because what we know to be true is that, yes, it's important to educate the kids, but parents need to get more comfortable talking about this issue. They have a hard enough time talking about sex, let alone talking about pornography and um, sexually compulsive behavior. So 
we can't have guests like Kristen on enough to talk about how to educate and empower both parents and children. So I said she has done two amazing books, and her newest one is for younger kids, and it is called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior. And so tonight, we're going to be very happy to have her on the show. Kristen, this is Carol. How how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Carol. So good to talk to you again. It's been a while, hasn't yes. it? Yes, it has. <laughs> I was trying to, I yeah. think it was a two or three years ago that I had you on when you did your first book. Yeah, it could have been. Uh, I didn't go back and check. But anyway, it's been long enough, so I'm glad we're talking tonight. <laughs> Yes, well, this is such a gift for you to come on and talk to parents about how to talk to kids. And certainly, this book is geared towards younger kids. What age would you say Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior is actually appropriate for? We wrote it for children ages 3 to 6. And the reason we did that is because Children ages 3 to 6 have access to the Internet. So many kids are on iPads. Um, If they're not on iPads or tablets uh, in their own home, wherever they go, wherever they visit, they have access to the Internet. They may be um, with a friend, with a cousin, um, at a playground. It's just so quick that exposure can happen. So we want parents to get um, ahead of the game, right, and help their kids uh, know what's coming down the pike and be prepared for it. Well, and and, uh, understandably, you actually had a very personal story. You know, can you tell our audience why you decided to write a book about pornography for young kids as well as – why did you have the desire to need to educate parents? Well, what happened was I got a call from a friend who really had had a very traumatic experience in her family. They had found out that her oldest son, who was 17 at the time, had been using pornography, but he had gone on to... Uh, molest, to sexually molest his younger brothers and sisters. And when you think of it, children imitate what they see. And um, so this is what he had done. He'd been imitating and acting out on his younger siblings. And there is an explosion of this kind of behavior, this kind of child-on-child sexual behavior. So I woke up the next morning after talking to her, you know, late in the night on a phone call, And I just had this feeling that parents needed some help talking to their young children about pornography before they became pulled into it and addicted to it and then, even more horrifying, acting out on other children. And so that was the impetus to write Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids. And we, in that book, we... um, really try to help, uh, help children understand the process of addiction. And I really knew that parents would, would appreciate this, this help. It's kind of like a script. 
for them and they read it aloud to their children. But kids love this book. They love feeling empowered. And then I started hearing from therapists who use it with adults even to explain the process of addiction. Because I guess if you can explain it to a child, then anybody can understand it. So we've, it, it's kind of been interesting. But then as I would speak, I would get parents that say, I love your first book, but I really need something simpler for my younger children. And so that was why we uh, then went ahead and I wrote Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, which is just a very, very simple, comfortable, easy way to open up this conversation and give children just a very initial warning about that, the bad pictures they might, they might see. Absolutely. And so, obviously, the first book, you actually teamed up with licensed psychologist Dr. Gail Pointer, and yep. you wrote Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Porn Proofing Today's Young Kids, and you filled that much-needed resource because there wasn't a book out there that really helped explain this. And yet, you were smart enough to know, you know, especially as you formed your organization, that young kids were being exposed earlier and earlier. And I know I work with a lot of parents that say, oh, my gosh, I can't even get on the Internet to access this game or this television show or this movie. And this four- or five-year-old will pick up my phone and just flip right to it. I mean, they're really skilled at being able to do that. Are they not? Yeah, they're just so agile. And I see parents just handing the phone to their kids and saying, here, you can play this game. But once those kids have that phone or that iPad, um, I have a story of a, heard a story of a mom who was sitting right next to her daughter on the couch. So you'd think that was really good. You know, she's sitting right next to her daughter, gave her daughter the iPad. The daughter was watching something or playing something. And the mom was on her phone. And then her daughter, you know, like screamed a little bit and she looked down and and the daughter was watching a video of a woman and a tiger. And so, and it was horrific uh, what was happening in that video. And so even young children, there are no iron gates on the internet. Once they have access, they can, they don't know. They don't know, like as an adult, you can know to avoid certain things, right? You can look at something. You look up, but you maybe you watching a, um, a YouTube video and you see one of those tiles on the side in the come up, and you can tell not to go to some of these things. But a ch- child doesn't know, and so they wander more freely than parents. And so it's so important to get ahead of the game. So your child isn't caught off guard and help them know what to do when they, when they see these bad pictures. And, and also set yourself up as the person, to, the go-to expert, right, on, on those kinds of anything sexual. You need to be the expert. The parent needs to be the expert so that the child has that trust, right, and they know that, hey, I can go to mom, I can go to dad, I can ask questions. And uh, I'm not afraid, and I'm not going to be ashamed, and they'll help me out instead of thinking, uh-oh, I'm not going to tell my mom about this, or I'm not going to ask my dad, or I'm going to ask my friend, or I'm going to Google it. 
um, and then they really don't get the best information that we would want them to have. Well, and I'm glad you brought it up that way because, of course, part of the damage control that we ask parents to be a part of is not to overreact. You know, when a child mm-hmm. comes to you or you're sitting next to your child and all of a sudden you're witnessing something that they should not be seeing, it's important to stay cool, stay calm, mm-hmm. and just be able to kind of talk to them about, well, why did that come up, you know? Let me take that from you. You know, let, let's go ahead and shut that down because that wasn't a pretty picture. That wasn't a picture that you needed to see. And so would you, if you would, would you talk to our listening audience about the best age to begin talking to a child about pornography and what you would do if they witnessed something sitting right there with you? And then we're going to talk about what it would be like if they came to you and asked you questions. Sure. Yeah. So obviously, you know, you can both be caught off guard and it can be a shocking experience. If parents can learn to just take a step back and respond instead of react, Um, even if you need to take a a time out for yourself (laughs) for a moment, and gather yourself together. We have something called the SMART Plan on our website on protectyoungminds.org, and it helps parents go through this so that they're ready and know how to respond to a child that's seen something, um, that's seen a bad picture. It's kind of like you want to um, come at it without shaming the child because when we are very emotional as parents, and we have a big reaction, that child is, might freak out a little bit and they might be hesitant to come to us the next time. Or another reason kids don't want to tell their parents when they've been exposed is they are afraid that you'll take their technology away or won't let them play with that friend that, you know, maybe they said, I saw something at Joey's house or Um, I was over there playing, and I saw a bad picture on the computer. And what if you say, oh, you're never going over there again? That would be um, unfortunate because it would probably shut down some of that communication with your child. So you need to kind of calmly assess and come up with a plan to deal with exposure instead of just have a knee-jerk reaction to it. You're always going to be better off and then then kids will trust you and then they'll tell you a little bit more and a little bit more and um, so I think that's really uh, it's, it is easier said than done so if you have freaked out a little bit it's okay you can regroup you can apologize and say you know what I kind of freaked out but I want to you know I want to make sure that you know that you can always come and talk to me, talk to me about this or, or let me know what you've seen and um it really is, you know, Carol, a lot, of, a lot of parents are concerned about making their kids more curious. So, like, they don't want to talk to them young because what if they just plant this seed of curiosity and they talk to them about pornography and then their child goes off looking for it? And, and my response to that is that your child is actually safer if you make them curious, in a sense, about pornography um, so that you can answer their questions on your own terms, you know, in a proactive 
way. It, it's so much safer for them to be curious about pornography with you by their side than for them to be curious about it when they're alone on the Internet or, or with a friend. Now, if you, if you well, introduce absolutely. it to them, you can introduce your, your attitudes about it and you can set, up, set yourself up as the best source of information um, and assure your child, again, that you, you'll answer their questions. Um, well, and again, it's and wh- between, well, you, you know, you deal with this from two different perspectives based on the age of the child, and your books do a great job of doing that. Now, with the uh, junior books that you just released, which, again, is amazing, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, it's a simple plan to protect young minds. In that book, you really talk to kids about some pictures are good and some pictures aren't good. Some pictures are bad mm-hmm. for you. And it explains the importance of keeping private parts private and making the analogy that bad pictures are picture poison. And so mm-hmm. I, I love that even if a parent is not quite sure what to do, they can download this book, they can buy this book on Amazon, and they can literally have it immediately to figure out, okay, what is my next step? I mean, when I talk to parents, they say, you know, I go into a panic attack mode. And I'm glad that you referenced, even if you freak out as a parent, you can say, I am sorry that mom or dad had that fit, and I want to tell you that it is absolutely okay for you to talk about this. As a matter of fact, I want to find out more information. Tell me where this came from, or tell me what you thought. I always say for kids that there are five primary feelings, and they're mad, sad, glad, afraid, and lonely. And so I might say to my Mm -hmm. child, now tell me, how did that picture make you feel? Did it make you feel mad, sad, glad, afraid, or lonely? Um, Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, what we know about brain science is that when a child sees something they don't understand, there's a curiosity that develops to see mm-hmm. more of it, to understand it. And that's what you were right. talking about earlier. Yeah, I mean, kids are curious. I mean, their brains are hardwired to be curious. And that's exactly why parents need to talk to their kids about pornography earlier rather than later. So it's, it really is helpful and, and and what we try to do in the junior book as well as the as our original book is that is to tell kids that sometimes kids see bad pictures by accident but even if you see a bad picture that doesn't make you a bad kid because lots of times when we talk about things and and I do talk about it in terms of good and bad because we have to simplify it for kids and so um we need to keep it very simple for them, black and white. And we also help our in the, the junior book, we have a section at the back where I've written about how to help your children, if they've seen a bad picture, how to minimize that shocking memory of it. And um, I, I got um, an Amazon review on the book that really touched my heart just a few days ago. Would you, do you mind if I share it? Oh, I would love that. Okay, so this mom writes, um, this was wonderfully and tastefully written. My six-year-old son loved reading it with me. 
he had fun finding the cameras. So we've hidden 19 little cameras throughout the book, and kids find it on almost find one of the cameras on almost every page, uh, which is which is fun to keep their attention. You know, um, it says he had unfortunately already seen a bad picture at a friend's house, and the advice given at the end of the book on how not to picture how how to not picture that when he closes his eyes at night helped him immensely. After we went through all of it, before he walked away from me, he hugged me tight and thanked me sincerely for reading it to him and helping him. It sure made me cheer up. Since then, he has pointed out bad pictures in stores and good pictures that we take of him. And he hasn't complained anymore of seeing the bad pictures in his head. Thank you so much for creating this book and all the emails that I was able to sign up for at your website. So this really does work for kids. And you not only have to give them a plan for how to react uh, when they see bad pictures, like in the moment, what to do. And in the, in the junior book, we have a plan called the Turn, Run, and Tell plan. And in the, uh, the book for older kids, we have the Can-Do plan. Not only do you need to give them a plan, but you need to help them understand what to do once they've seen a picture, how to minimize the, um, those pictures in their brain. And there is a way to do it. There is a technique and a strategy that anyone can learn and par- any parent can help a child and coach a child on how to do that. Well, let's hear more about that. Tell me more. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, what you do is basically what you need to do is you need to, in brain, you know, when you're talking about the brain, whenever you see a shocking picture, it will keep coming to your mind. It may keep coming to your mind. And what you need to do is, well, what, the more you think about that picture, you're creating kind of a, a, a path to the picture. Then you're creating a road to the picture, then you're creating a superhighway to the picture. The more you think about that memory, especially if it's a shocking memory. So what we're trying to do is help kids create a new neural pathway away from the picture. So what we do um, is to have the child, the first thing you want to do is have the child think of something that's exciting for them, something good, something positive that has an emotional appeal to them and that excites them. And when, they, when that bad picture comes to mind, then they have to practice moving their thoughts over to that exciting good thing. So if they love to ride horses or ponies or if they love little kittens or monster trucks, you know, whatever it is that gets them excited, they think about that thing. And they, they have to just keep practicing. And as they practice, their, their brain, they will actually um, develop a, a neural pathway away from the bad picture. And so I actually have practiced this myself. I love to go snorkeling in Hawaii, not that I've gone that many times, but um, I love those beautiful fish. And so when I've seen something that I wish I hadn't seen, I 
use the same technique and it works. It really does. But you do have to practice it over and over again, but eventually it does work. And um, you just keep encouraging your child to, to practice that technique. And it's spelled out more in more detail in the book, but it works. It really does. And it helps children. They need a plan. They need something. You can't just say, well, don't think about it. You've got to give them something else to think about and a way to think about it. So well, I love this I'm really because your approach is is so um, neutral, and it does not in any way shame the child. It empowers no. them to look for something yeah. else. It's strength-based, and it's life skill-based. Right. They, I mean, everyone needs this life skill. Everyone needs to be able to control their thoughts to some degree because we don't live in a world where we choose everything we see anymore. Now, we, we live in a virtual world, a digital world, and we get, uh, there's a lot of stuff that gets pushed at us. And we need to know how to uh, minimize those, those memories. Absolutely, and I love the formulas that you have, just like the formula you just shared, that you've got the can approach, you've got the turn, run, and tell plan. Talk to us a little bit about that turn, run, and tell plan. Well, um, it's very simple, <laughs> very, very simple. All, all it is is turn, run, and tell. You tell them to turn away, right, when they see the bad picture, turn away. The longer you look at something, the longer that picture, that video is going to be burned in your brain, right? So as soon as they recognize, and this is an important part, you need to, before they can do the turn, run, and tell plan, they have to know uh, to recognize it. They need to be given a simple definition of pornography. And then that allows them to recognize it immediately. So it's like, oh, what I'm seeing is pornography. It's a bad picture. My mom, my dad warned me about this. So now I know what to do. Let's see, it's turn. So I'm going to turn away from it, not look at it. Because kids will be drawn in. They're curious. And they'll stay looking at something. Um, so you need to teach them to turn away from it. And then run, get away from it, right? Um, and go and tell uh, a trusted adult. So telling a trusted adult is so important because that helps to reduce the whole secrecy thing. Kids, when kids see pornography, they often keep it secret. And Carol, what happens when you have a secret between you and someone that you're in a trusted relationship with? What Secrets happens? don't help. <laughs> Yeah, Absolutely. what happens not, is really when a child... It's a basis of more compulsivity. And so, you know, not only does it create shame, but it also makes you want to be secretly compulsive. And that's why it's so good to eliminate them right off the bat. Yeah, just nip it in the bud. And so if we can get secrecy out, and if they can, say, tell tell a parent right away, and there's an understanding already that the parent is more than willing and wants that child to come and tell them whenever they see something, um, then, you've, then you've, you know, slayed that monster, the, the secrecy monster. That, is, that 
seems to feed and fuel uh, pornography and pornography addiction. So we want to definitely get it out in the open, in the light of day. And um, that really helps children uh, to have more power and more control uh, when they have the help of their parents uh, and they know that they can go and tell them. So that's a turn, run, and tell plan. And uh, it's, it's something very simple for young children. And the can-do plan is a little bit, um, little bit higher level for the, uh, but, but similar. You know, it's close your eyes and then always tell a trusted adult. And with um, the older children, we say name it when you see it. So name it. It's, um, that's pornography. That's a bad picture. Because when you name it, you are bringing your thinking brain or your prefrontal cortex uh, online. And that gives a child much more power uh, over that situation to not be pulled into it. And, the, and so the CAN, that part is what a child does immediately on, upon seeing a picture or a video or um, something pornographic. And then uh, the D and the O is distract your thoughts. So that's that process of, you know, thinking about something different, and then, oh, ordering your thinking brain to be the boss. So in the, the original book, we talk a lot about brain science in a very easy, simple way, and the thinking brain and the feeling brain and how both of them can be um, that work together, and it's important to keep the thinking brain in control. So we're really giving kids a lot of tools, very practical information that they can use to protect themselves because as much as we would love to keep our kids in a bubble, we can't do that anymore. And we have to arm our children, just like we arm soldiers going out to battle. We teach them, you know, how to use the weapons, how to communicate, you know, how to protect themselves. We teach them what the enemy is like, what the enemy looks like. We would never think of just sending a soldier out to battle and say, okay, don't get killed. <laughs> you know, we, we train and train and train. And we need to train our kids as if, you know, they're going to be facing a battle because they really are. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I was telling our listening audience before you came on that when I was first trained as a CSAT about seven years ago, the stats were that by the time a child was 11, typically he, but they would be about 20 hours of pornography altogether. And I was wondering if you had any statistics that you'd heard of about kids at different ages and how much pornography they've seen. Well, you know, it's really kind of hard to nail that down because with kids younger than 11, it's hard to, to ask them those questions, right? It's hard to get a study. Um, it's almost there are ethical issues, right? Um, right. But what I've heard is, um, but there have been some studies in the UK and some reports. Um, one of the studies showed that the average age, so, so what, what, um, what we found is that pornography is not only causing addiction, but as we mentioned before, it's causing this child-on-child sexual abuse or sexual behavior. Um, 
In the UK, there was a study that showed that the average age for children beginning to demonstrate concerning sexual behaviors, is what they called or harmful sexual behaviors, is eight and a half years old. And more than half of these children direct their behavior towards a sibling. So well, that it makes used sense. to be... And that's that curiosity factor that they're acting mm-hmm. out. Um, right. And we call it sexual trauma reenactment. They've seen it and they don't understand it, so they find somebody else that they can act it out with or on. And instead of it being... Uh, sex play or what we used to call playing doctor, it ends up being a little more forceful, coercive, compulsive, Mm -hmm. and it really can turn into sexual molestation. Yeah, which is exactly what happened, you know, with my friend. And this was how many years ago? You know, probably six years ago now. So it's, it's going on. It's increasing and it's becoming a real problem, and we need to, and that's why in the junior book we talk a lot about uh, sexting. I mean, we don't call it sexting, but we, we give these five safety rules. So body safety rules are very much now linked to pornography because pornography fuels this child-on-child sexual abuse, and so we have these five safety rules in, um, in the book that talks about you know, if you ever see a bad picture, never show it to another child because children do that. When I found my first Playboy, guess who I showed it to? My little sister. And it was in our home, unfortunately. And so that is something that, that's very common for kids. Um, another thing is, is we need to warn children that no one should ever take pictures or videos of them without their clothes on. Um, there was a first grade teacher in my area that has just been uh, prosecuted. He was uh, he was using his position as a teacher to uh, make child pornography of his young students. And so, it's it's you need to arm your children with some just some basics, some basic rules. And also children are being coerced. They get online, they're playing, you know, some game online, they get into a chat room, and there are predators in those chat rooms. And they get the children, they form a little relationship with them, and they get the children to take a picture of themselves, upload it. As you said, kids are very, they, they're very agile with technology. And so they figure out how to do this very easy, or they're, or they're taught how to do it. And then once they um, upload pictures of themselves, now there's extortion that can go on, where now they may be uh, told that if they don't give more and more, then uh, they'll tell their parents, right? And the FBI has said that that is the biggest growing problem um, with kids in the Internet is sextortion, so it's it's a it's a bigger problem than I think most parents uh, may be aware of. Absolutely. Now, talk a little bit about your ProtectYoungMinds.org organization and explain to our listeners um, how they can access that, what they can expect when they look at it, and how they can get their free PDF poster. Yeah. So um, 
first of all, with the you can get the can-do poster. Um, you can go on the website. There's places on the blog. You can see where it says click here for your can-do poster. Or if you're on your phone, you can just text uh, to the number 44222. Text the word, all one word, can-do plan. So can-do plan to 44222 to get a free PDF poster. And um, our website is really just trying to help parents, give them lots of great information. This is our mission, to empower parents and to kind of uh, help them not feel like they're alone, help them to know that they're not alone and that we have a lot of resources for them. So we have our blog, and we post new information almost every week. It helps parents keep current with what's happening out there, with helpful tips. We have all, you know, all kinds of, we cover all kinds of issues, from relationship issues um, to, um, to technical things to the latest uh, apps that might be a concern to parents. So we have technical and uh, high-tech and low-tech. Um, we have a quick start guide for parents. We have a smart plan guide for parents that are wondering what to do. My kids have already seen pornography and how do I help them? Maybe they're already watching it um, and we know there's a problem. And then we have an ambassador kit and I've gotten a lot of people write into me and say that they've used it to put on their own um, talks you know maybe they'll they have a little community gathering or at their church and they are able to give a presentation based upon some outlines and some information that we give them uh, in our ambassador kit so there's all kinds of things that you can get um, another one of our most popular uh, downloads is three secrets to porn immune kids and so again if you text three secrets so the number three and then the word secrets to 44222, you can get a free copy of that. So we have lots of other guides too there, just tons of material that we've been um, putting up for years, and it, we just keep it fresh and keep it current and very helpful. Well, absolutely, and, and I've got to ask you, what does your friend think about that night that she calls you in hysterics to now, how how you have turned it into your purpose and passion. What does she think? Oh, she is so happy. By the way, her son got treatment, and he has really pulled himself out of pornography. He was able to, you know, I guess thank goodness he wasn't 18 because he wasn't, um, he was still a minor. So he got into a program, and I think he's, He's coming along really well and back with the family, back in good, you know, and they've all had counseling. So in that way, I know there's been healing there. And she is so proud and so happy to see that out of her pain and anguish, something good came out of it. And I guess that's always helpful when, when we can see, you know, that there's something good come out of such a difficult, tragic situation. Um, so yeah, she kind of launched me on my, on my purpose now in life. And it's, you know, I don't think that was a coincidence myself, but, um, 
I'm grateful that she was willing to share her story with me because it's hard. You know, if something like that happens, it's, you just feel alone and you just feel like the whole world doesn't want to be around you anymore, your kids. Um, and so I'm so grateful she shared that. And I, I hope more parents will reach out. Um, they can certainly contact us at our website. Uh, we have a contact form, and we read every email. We respond. And a lot of our readers suggest questions, and then we go out. And if we can't feel like we can answer it ourselves, we get experts. We have a lot of experts that help us, therapists that will write um, answers and help answer questions so we love it when when our readers reach out to us and ask ask us questions again we're trying to form kind of like a community and help parents know that they're not alone and that they can do this and give them enough hope that to know that they really can help their children arm their children and it will make a difference i've got so many stories of kids being armed through the books and then having a situation where they were exposed and knowing exactly what to do. And well, and I've even I seen it um, to manifest into kids will help other kids, and they'll mm-hmm. also yeah. about you know the turn, run, and tell program, and you know they'll talk about what they can do with similar to sexual abuse. You know, I mean, when kids are empowered. They're, they want to help each other, and it's it's kind of funny. I, I ran a teenage group for boys that were compulsively looking at pornography, and there were two things from this group. One was that um, a lot of them had developmental issues that made it even tougher, Asperger's, you know, that would, and a lot mm-hmm. of times when yeah. you have people as Workers, they're kind of isolated anyway, and the more isolated you are, the more you're likely to turn to your iPad or your computer. And then sure. they're also, they don't necessarily have filters. And so one of the kids said, oh, my mom's making me go to this counselor. And they go, is that Carol the coach? Oh, she's great. You're going to love her. Why don't you join our group? And, you know, they just really <laughs> embraced each other to help each other, and that would have normally been a place where they felt some shame. So we really can make a difference when we educate and and normalize in terms of what they can do as well as really um, neutralize situations and empower them. Yeah. Well, what a wonderful service you're providing, Carol. My hat's off to you. Thank you for all that you're doing to, you know, educate your community and all the all the listeners um this is this is a formidable uh, this is a formidable thing we're up against and uh we all need we all need all the help we can get i think but it's it and and when you say that kids can do help kids they really do we've had stories of kids uh, one kid was walking home with his friend and his friend pulled out a, a pornographic magazine from uh, the mailbox and was starting to look through it. And this, this other little seven-year-old, um, he said, that's pornography. <laughs> he goes, you should oh not look God. at that. That could, that could hurt your brain. Um, and finally the kids closed it, but it was like this reaching out, like, you know, and maybe it gave that kid something to think about and he'll talk to him a little bit later. But yeah, kids can really help kids. 
Awesome. Well, now tell everybody how they can get your book, how much it costs, and and um, all the information about that. Okay. Well, they can first of all they can go to our website protectyoungminds.org and look look under the books tab, and um, we have them all listed there. Actually, it's in Spanish and German now. Our original Good Pictures, Bad Pictures book. Um, you can always go right to Amazon and find them. They're on Amazon. And um, so it's, uh, they're 18, well, let's see. Uh, I think there's a discount on Amazon, but the list price is 18.95. I think they're a little discounted on Amazon. Uh, but really, a, a, uh, compared to uh, the, as you know, the difficulty and also the, the cost of counseling later on if there becomes a problem, um, it's, it's, it's a good return on your investment, right? If you can help your children avoid a lifetime of scarring and a lifetime of addiction. Absolutely. Uh, and I've got to ask you a tough question. Have you found okay, any, I'm ready. <laughs> have any libraries bought this book yet or either of the books? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, lots of times the libraries will, um, yeah, we have it in, in many, many libraries. Lots of parents are proactive. They love the book, and they want to share it, and so they will uh, call their local library, and most libraries have a form you can fill out to request uh, these books. And so I would love to have parents um, you know, ask their local library to purchase one of these books. That would be awesome. That would be great. Okay, we're going to put that energy out there that my listening audience, I want you to buy the book. I want you to buy two copies and want you to (laughs) give one book to the library, donate it, and or talk to your local school administrators about having this book available because i got to tell you, Kristen, the uh, administrators still don't know how to handle this. And you said formidable. Yeah, I so call true. it epidemic, and yeah. you know it's like we got to get a handle on this now because it's not going to get any better. So we need to create an action plan that's actually going to empower parents, empower kids, and and empower schools. Yeah, schools, schools need, and we have a, a great blog post, a couple blog posts on schools and the issues there, and and we actually have a a downloadable list of, I think, 10 questions that you can ask your school administrator to see if they have policies set up and also like a safe reporting plan because kids will access, my daughter's a teacher, and so I, I really heard some of the problems. Um, so kids are always looking for images to do their reports, you know, and unfortunately they find things uh, when they're searching for images on, on Google that they really shouldn't see. Um, and so uh, it's really, really important for parents to ask their school administrators, hey, you know, what's your plan? Are you teaching kids what to do, um, how to handle it? Uh, if they aren't taught, they won't know. They, they really won't know. And kids then will show it to each other. And I've heard stories of 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 them doing that they're just kids you know we need to we need to take responsibility to educate them and you know another place they could also take the book would be to their pediatrician 
pediatricians are becoming very uh, concerned about this problem. Parents are going to pediatricians and asking questions about, you know, what can I do to help my child? What's, you know, and they're asking these questions. Um, we were just, our books were just endorsed uh, by the American College of Pediatricians. Um, and they endorsed the books and sent it out to all of their pediatricians. And um, they, they said, in a tech-savvy age with even preschoolers at risk of exposure to our portified culture, the greatest gift we can give our children is an internal filter. So, again, the American College of Pediatricians have endorsed the books. Pediatricians are interested. Schools and, um, and libraries, yeah. That would be great. Get the word out. Get parents more help. I agree, and, and unfortunately, we have to wrap up the show. But we were talking with Kristen Jensen, and she has written big, uh, good pictures, bad pictures, junior, and she's also written good pictures, bad pictures for older kids. She's, she's got a protectyoungminds.org website. She's got lots of free information, and she wants to empower you, empower your kids, and empower the community. So. Kristen, thank you so much for being on tonight and educating our listeners, and um, just keep up the good work. Thank you, Carol. You too. It's been a pleasure. All right. We'll keep in touch. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I can't stress enough how important it is for us to be able to help our kids. And you can start whether you have your own children whether you're a grandparent or whether you're somebody in the community that can make a difference by getting this to people that do work with communities and children and parents. All right, well, we will see you next week for more Sex Help with Carol the Coach. As I say at, every, at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times, so I fearlessly want you to have the courage to be yourself. Have a great week.